While they're passing those out, I, I would like to start with a testimony that's not on this page, but I spent 27 years as a non-believer, and the last seven of those years were college and grad school, seven years getting an undergraduate degree, and then three years getting a master's, and almost the second one, never did finish the second one. But I was not a Christian, and I was hearing many, many, many ideas that were from the world. They were secular ideas. They were uh, what I would call fake news today, if you wanted to put it into uh, modern terminology. But they were lies. They were, they were untruth. And so when I became a Christian, I thought, wow, i got to figure this out. Well, I don't know if I said that to myself or the Holy Spirit helped me understand that, that I really needed to get into the Scriptures in a pretty major way to undo those years of hearing falsehoods. I was a psychology, social, sociology major, so a lot of what I heard that was wrong had to do with um, the way you think and what you think is important. <laughs> Like what I believe the most important thing was in the world was to figure out myself. Uh, Maslow calls it self-actualization, a big fancy term, meaning get inside yourself, figure yourself out. Um, you're number one. <laughs> and that is not what Christianity is about, is it? <laughs> Christianity is a whole different thing. It's trying to understand the Lord and how we relate to him and knowing him better. So it was almost a 180 degree shift. And I think without the help of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit, we, I'm gonna talk about the scriptures today, but apart from the Holy Spirit, we don't understand the scriptures in the first place. So we've gotta have the Holy Spirit and the scriptures working together. But I made an intentional, disciplined effort to get to know the scriptures better. And a lot of that came through uh, scripture memory, but just spending time in the Lord and 43 years later, I'm still carrying around my verse back and trying to learn some new verses, not as often as I used to, but so the verses that I'm working on today, I'm just looking at the back side of it, but one I memorized in December of 1975, the first year I was a believer, um, some in 1988, here's one in 1976. But I made a concerted effort, and I'm, I'm gonna do that till I die, just because the Lord has used that so dramatically in my life to help me understand Him better and to grow in the Lord, and also to share that with other people. So I agree with Gordon wholeheartedly that this opportunity you're getting, going to have in the next two Tuesdays is a great opportunity. And if you can get an, under, an understanding of the scriptures way before I did, I hope you don't wait till you're 27, because <laughs> that's a lot of wasted years. But take advantage of what you have, what you're learning here, and your time here at Nebraska Christian. So we want to take a little bit of a trip around the Word today. <laughs> and this is pretty, pretty basic, really. But I want to give you three ideas about why the scriptures are so important. 
and I asked Brennan to recruit a few seniors for me to help out on this. So I'm going to, the, the three main bullet points you can see on there for the applications, but there's some verses behind that. And there's, there's three categories for us to think about in terms of why the scriptures are so important. So let's go right from the top. First of all, our attitudes toward the word. And I don't know how Brennan lined this up, but whoever's going to be first, please read Deuteronomy 32, 46, and 47. And the rest of you can turn to it in the scriptures. And I hope that there's quite a few of these verses that you're familiar with. Uh, There's thousands of scriptures that would speak about why the word is so important. And these are some of them. What is going on here in Deuteronomy 32, 46, and 47 is Moses' last words to his people, the Israelites, before he has to die because he can't go into the promised land. And this passage right here particularly talk about the scriptures being the life, their life. <laughs> I didn't hear all the been read there, but the phrase that I really liked out of that verse, the reason I memorized it, was because it talks about the scriptures being the most important thing to them. Take to your heart all the words which you are, with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. So I don't think that means 24-7. We've got to read the scriptures and memorize them and apply them. But it does mean that it should be a, a big piece of the pie of what our life looks like. The scripture should be that. I don't know what that is for you, but I know that's important. The second one, this is one of my favorites, actually. It's Jeremiah speaking. And talk about a guy that was in a tough place. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. You've probably heard of that. But here's what he had to say about the scriptures in Jeremiah 15, 16. I don't know what your attitude is when you open the scriptures, but that should be part of it. In fact, I pray that verse quite a bit of the time in the morning when I have my quiet time the joy and the delight of my heart that's what the scriptures are the scriptures are a joy to read I'm reading a biography about William Wilberforce right now the man who abolished the I know God worked through him but about 200 years ago, he was the one that orchestrated the abolishment of slavery in the British Empire. It's almost too bad we didn't wait and hang around with the British for a few years longer. We could have avoided the Civil War. But he became a Christian just through interacting with a person who was a Christian and riding in a stagecoach across the country of France just having conversations about the scripture with this guy. And that's when William Wilberforce became a Christian as an adult. It's a a tremendous, it was even after he was in parliament as a 20-something-year-old that he trusted Christ and was just off of interacting with someone who knew the scriptures really well. So have the scripture be a joy and a delight of your heart where 
It is something you talk about because it's important to you. And then the third attitude, you may have heard this one before, it's the Bereans, the, the people of Berea that Paul ministered to in his journeys on his missionary trips, Acts 17.11. So how did they receive the word? Those people in Berea, they were even more noble-minded than the Thessalonians. And if you've ever read the book of Thessalonians, Paul has a lot of good things to say about the Thessalonians. But they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So what, your, what is your attitude when you approach the word? I, we'll talk about this later. I'll just wait till later to talk about it. <laughs> but great eagerness in receiving the scripture and examining the scripture to see what it has to say to us. And then finally, the one in Colossians. I... I uh, Wanted to finish this with this one because it's, it's got a great phrase in it about how our attitude is toward the scriptures on a daily basis. Catch that phrase at the beginning. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. The word dwell in scripture means to make it your home. To have that be, to be comfortable around the scriptures the way you're comfortable when you're sitting down at home in your favorite place, relaxing. <laughs> but then also teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is part of that. But richly dwelling within you. And I was going to quote the First Peter 2, 2 verse up there with Acts 17, 11 about the eagerness with which we approach the scriptures like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that by you, you may grow in respect to salvation. And that growing doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when you're 71. I might be the oldest guy in this room right now. But as a 71-year-old, I long for the pure milk of the word so that by it I can grow in respect to salvation. That never gets old. We have 18 grandkids and some of them are still uh, drinking milk. <laughs> and I know how those babies really want that milk. <laughs> and that's the way we should be about the scriptures. The way we should approach the scriptures. So the application there is that the scriptures, God's word is a necessity for me. That's the attitude we should take for the scriptures. Uh, Jesus quoted this verse, you probably know it. Deuteronomy 8.3, I'll go ahead and quote that one. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And remember who quoted that verse, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, when he was tempted by Satan. Man does not live by bread alone. Uh, I enjoy eating, and I'm starting to gain weight as an old guy, but uh, that's all right. I enjoy being able to eat good food, but the best food is the Scripture. That is where our life is. The second motivation for getting into the Scripture has to do with the results. Why is Scripture important? 
Well, God makes some promises here. Joshua 1.8 is the first promise. I'm pretty strong on this one. <laughs> I don't know how you define def- success. I know how the world defines success because I had a lot of that. <laughs> so I was getting a master's degree. I was set for life. I would get a good job and make a lot of money and have a big house and a nice car. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong. But in front of Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, that's not going to be the evaluation of whether you were prosperous and successful. Those are not the ways God gauges prosperity and success. In fact, I know some young men in uh, Zambia that have a suitcase that has everything they own inside of it that are going to be identified as prosperous and successful if they continue their lives the way they're living them right now. Because prosperity and success has to do with meditating on the scriptures. You will never (laughs) spend too much time in the scriptures. It can't happen. So get a good job. Have a nice home. Have a great family. But Remember the definition that God gives for prosperity and success. It's meditating on the scriptures day and night. The second verse, a lot shorter verse this time, Proverbs 16, 20. Thought to the word there. My version said he who gives, says, it's New American Standard, says he who gives attention to the word. There's three levels of attention. And I think almost everybody in here is at least on the second one right now. Uh, The first one is that your mind goes with whatever happens. Like if somebody walked in the door right now, I'm pretty sure that some of you would look over there to see who it was. And I probably would too. (laughs) But if that's your normal way of approaching the scripture, he who gives attention to the word shall find good, that you're reading and then the next thing that happens takes you off of that, that's the first level. You're not paying very much attention. The second level of attention I like to call the scholastic level. Uh, And I know some people that took my class were in this kind of a situation. Government especially, I think. That's not the favorite course of most people. So so their attention level was, okay, I want to get an A or a B, so I'll pay attention so I can do well on the test. (laughs) And then a week later, it... You didn't even remember what happened on that test. (laughs) And that can happen. That's the second level. You're paying a little more attention. The third level of attention, I like to call this, it's when you're leaning into it. It's when you're really actively, okay, I want to figure out what this guy's saying because I know it's important. And that's the way we should look at the scriptures. He who gives that level, that third level of attention, finds good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. That's a benefit of the scriptures. And then the third one, a result of spending time in the Lord, Hebrews 4.12. That's a little, um, I don't know, threatening is too strong a word. But it's a a little bit of a, a nervous feeling if you really are going to approach the word in that way. At least if you want to keep your life going the way you want to live it. If you're open to what God has for you, that kind of a verse isn't a threatening verse. But the Word of God will go right down the center of who you are. And it will judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart. 
So as a 67 or 68-year-old pastor, <laughs> I got over being fearful, <laughs> afraid of being home alone. Can you, is everybody okay with being home alone? <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'm glad you are. I didn't get over that till a couple years ago. And it was because I was helping somebody else get over some fears they had. And the Lord said to me, well, what about you, Scott? Why are you afraid of being home alone? And also being afraid to be on a horse. Anybody else with me on that? Afraid of being on a horse? All right, there we go. And then I don't like heights either. I have a hard time with that. And God took, God took care of that all at once. Isn't that great? He will use the scriptures to go right down the center of who you are. And if you ever get over the fact that you have areas in your life where God wants to help you to move closer to him, I want to talk to you. Because this 71-year-old is standing up here saying, I'm not over that yet. <laughs> God's still got work to do in my life. And I want him to do that. <laughs> I'd rather let, I'd love to get it straightened out this side of heaven. So I can get on a horse now. And I can be at home alone. Isn't that tremendous? <laughs> That's a great thing. So, it will judge my heart. That's what it'll do. So, the application of that, God's Word can actually help keep me from sin. We're never going to be perfect. But Psalm 119, 9 and 11, how can a young man keep his way? Pure young man, young woman. By keeping according to thy word, thy word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against God. Treasure the scripture in your heart and you will sin less. You won't be sinless, but you will sin less because the word of God will do its work in your heart. That's, that's a great benefit. <laughs> Why is the scripture so important? Because it can change your life. No other, no other book can do that. I don't even want to know how many books I read for seven years in college. None of them changed my life. <laughs> I learned a lot. I had my head crammed full of knowledge. But it didn't change my life. It didn't change my heart. And then when I got to read the scriptures, <laughs> it was like, wow, this is way different. <laughs> Last one. The promises about God's word. And then I'll, I, w I would hope to get you to those small groups here pretty quickly. But two promises about God's word. And I'll, I'll bet most of you know these two verses from Isaiah. But we'll read them and I'll mention them briefly. Isaiah 55, 11, God's word will accomplish what he desires. It will accomplish that. I've got a death verse. I hope none of you have thought about that yet. I hope none of you have a death verse. But my death verse is Joshua 23, 14. And I pray that a lot for my kids and grandkids. But I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm asking God for this. I don't know, he might have something different in mind. But when I am dying in the hospital room and all the family's there, if I'm still in my right mind, which I'm hoping I am, We'll see how that works too. But I'm going to quote Joshua 23, 14 to them. Because I think this is really important. This is a great verse. 
So I'm not encouraging you to get a death verse, but when you get up to 70, maybe it'd be good to think about one. Here's what it says. Joshua's saying this just as he dies. He dies in chapter 24, the next chapter. Now behold, today I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. Isn't that great? <laughs> That's a promise about God's word. It will accomplish what he purposes. And for us to be in line with that, to come underneath that, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that brings exaltation. <laughs> There's other verses on that that we won't go into right now. But the Lord's word will accomplish what he desires as we allow it to come into our lives. And I'm looking forward to quoting that at one moment, but future still. And then finally, Isaiah 40, verse 8, the last verse. What does it have to tell us about God's promises? Another shorter one. But there are two things that are eternal. Uh, the blank there, it stands forever. The scripture stands forever. What was it? Benjamin Franklin says two things are inevitable, death and taxes, and that's probably true. <laughs> but there are two things which are eternal, which are our souls. We're going to live forever somewhere. We're going to forever be with the Lord or without the Lord. And then forever, the scriptures will be there. I don't know if I get to keep memorizing scripture in heaven. I would love to do that because <laughs> I only know 10% of it so far. I want to know more than 10%. Um, most grading scales, that doesn't get you anything but an F. <laughs> so 10% isn't very much. <laughs> but I would love to keep learning scripture through all eternity. Wouldn't that be a great thing? So why are the scriptures so important? Because it can change who we are. And why is it important to know how to interpret it? What you're going to look at the next couple of weeks. And I hope to be there for part of that as well. But interpreting it helps us to understand it better. So we can have it come into our lives in a correct, truthful way. The word of God is truth. We need to know how to interpret it. I'll pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. Uh, we thank you that it's a, a treasure, it's a joy, it's a delight. So many things about the scriptures that impact us in positive ways, that help us to honor you, that help us to grow up in you, that help us to honor you with our lives. So I pray for each one here, and I pray for myself as well, that we would never lose our heart for your word, and to be open to what it has to teach us, even when it's difficult lessons, even when it's one of those things that we sometimes don't want to deal with. I pray that we would look to you and look to your word and look to your spirit for help in growing and becoming all that you would have us to become. I pray for a good first day of the week for the students here, and I pray for the small groups to be an encouragement to those that are in them. We pray all this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you very much. It's always good to be here.